Are you ready to unleash your full potential and become unstoppable in your success and leadership? Welcome to the Unleashed and Unstoppable podcast, where we provide powerful insights and strategies for coaches, corporate leaders, and entrepreneurs. I'm Alexanne Carter. And I'm Carol Register, and we're certified master neuro coaches who are passionate about helping you overcome your limiting beliefs and optimize your performance. Each week, we'll be sharing actionable tips and strategies using neuroscience, from interviews with industry experts to solo episodes to help you lead a life of power, purpose, and possibility on your own terms. Join our community of like-minded individuals. Hit subscribe now and let's be unleashed and unstoppable together. Hey there, I want to jump in and tell you that we have got this amazing three-part series for you with Dr. Judith Rich. We invited her on in honor of our one-year podcasting celebration. So you're going to see these episodes on May 25th, on June 1st, and on June 8th. And we are so glad you're here. And reinforcing and empowering you And I just want to lean in and encourage you, drink this in. Here's a new voice Mm -hmm. who is sharing with you the wisdom of the ages. And uh, well, not such a new voice, but a new voice on your podcast. A new voice on our podcast. That's right. That's right. And, you know, this is as neuro coaches, we, we speak about these things a lot, Judith, but, um, hearing it through a new perspective, a new lens is what I meant by new voice. It, it, it not only reinforces, but it actually opens up those new perspectives. And I'm just super grateful for that. And with, within our trusting the process, within our trusting ourselves, within our keeping an open mind of curiosity and learning, which curiosity defeats judgment, right? Oh, and yeah. being in this process, this beautiful process of life, what would you tell us to practice along with remembering? I love that. I know you do too, Alex. Um, what would you tell us to practice in terms of uh, being leaders? Uh, interesting that, uh, Alex and I had a little conversation about being a boss versus being a leader. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Alex was sharing about her way of being in the corporate world or, or in the educational setting was coming from a place of that. She was in control and that she knew everything. At least she felt she did. And I, I commented, well, you weren't really being a leader, you were being a boss. Mm-hmm. And so being a leader is not about controlling and having the answers. It's really about bringing, being intimate with the people that you're leading, being wow. in relationship, which is a very feminine way of leading, mm-hmm. right? So it's connected and relatedness and being curious mm-hmm seeing that your job as a leader is to support people to bring forth their best selves. And so how does that happen? How, how can you be a catalyst 
to uh, support people connecting with, getting into, leaning into, owning, empowering themselves to bring forth their own greatness, to even see themselves mm-hmm. in in that light. Um, yeah. So I think as a as a leader, it's not about having answers. You can't ever have anyone else's answers, but it's really about allow your curiosity to guide you into the kind of questions that would evoke the learning happening over there mm-hmm. in, in the other, in, in the, in the people that you're working with, they know yeah. their answers. They don't know. They know them. Yeah. Right. The empowerment so I, piece. Yeah. Yeah. So when I work with someone and I'll ask a question and they, if their response is, I don't know, I'll, I'll follow that up with, would you like to know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Great. Wow. So what if you did know? If you knew, what would the answer be? If you knew. And there's always a place in people where they know. You know, there's always that place. And we pretend not to know what we know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes knowing what we know there's a price, there's a cost to know those things. We would prefer those inconvenient truths. We'd prefer not to know, you know? So I think my role as a leader, our roles as leaders is to be a catalyst for people to, to, to be, to be like the grain of sand in the oyster that causes the oyster that, that creates enough irritation. You see that grain of sand. The reason the oyster produces the pearl is because the grain of sand is an irritant. Mm. And mm. As, a, as a coach, you ask the kind of questions that provokes someone. And mm. I say, you do it with love. You do, and, and so they know, when they know they're safe, and they know that you're coming from love and they're not threatened. So it's not about threatening anything, yeah. but coming from a place of love and interruption. Mm-hmm. There's that word interruption. So that's what I mean mm-hmm. by being that loving interruption. That is a kind of irritant that causes the person to secrete the pearl, which to me represents the genius, the greatness, the gem right? Mm-hmm. We, we are the gem to bring forth that gem requires yeah. some kind of interruption because left to our own devices, people are naturally thrown to comfort. We're thrown mm-hmm. to safety. We're thrown to predictability. We don't want to mm-hmm. be interrupted. You know, the alarm goes off in the morning and what do we do? We hit the snooze button. <laughs> And so people have hit the snooze button in their life, on their lives, all of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when they encounter someone who cares enough about them, I mean, you wouldn't be doing this work with someone if you didn't care about them in the first place. Yeah. So when you're coming from that place of being a loving, caring interruption, and you can actually announce that, you know, as a leader, you can communicate that. You know, yeah. here's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Here's where I'm I'm seeing from a place 
that you can't see. You know, it's like yeah. the people that you're leading, your job as a coach or a, a leader is you got the whole field of play in your perspective. Mm -hmm. You see all the players, you see the movement, you see how the plays are mm -hmm. progressing. You see where the plays are breaking down. You see where the players are breaking down and they mm -hmm. can't see it because they're in the action and yeah, you know, they've got their blinders on, but as a leader, your job is to hold the space for all of it mm -hmm. and to be able to be an interruption and provide guidance and, and illuminate a path yeah. to make, to shift, to make a shift. Does that make sense? That's so powerful for me, um, Alex Leanne, working in the corporate, I'm working with entrepreneurs, coaches, and celebrities. And what resonates is the catalyst, because I think of a catalyst as like a flame. So it, it, being that flame is really what's sparking them to come to life and, you know, being yes. the, the irritant, right. And I hadn't yes. thought about it through that lens and that one feels holding that kind of tension feels more uncomfortable Absolutely. in the way that I coach. And so this well, is that really re yeah, powerful. That requires to be that requires that you get yourself out of the way. You yeah. know, if you're going to be yeah. that, if you're going to work at that level with people, it means you yeah. get your own approval needs out of the way, you yeah. get your acceptance needs out of the way, you get your personality out of the way, your ego out of the way, and you're, it's, it's a pure, you know, mm -hmm. it's a pure telling the, the pure difficult service. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Judith, yeah. as you're speaking there, cause I know it's something that you have, you also spoke a lot working with us is, is being neutral. Because I think that having worked with a lot of leaders is, and even just as you're speaking, shifting into that neutrality, yeah. right? Being yeah. unattached. And, and I, I speak in, cause I know this is something I was very guilty about, right? Like letting it mean something about me and my leadership. But what you're saying is it's, it's letting go of all of that, letting go of the ego mm -hmm. and really about being and standing for the person that you're with, the team that you're leading, who you're, you know, the impact that you're creating. And, and yeah, I guess it's the being, is there anything else you, you could speak into that for those leaders that yeah. you have a hard time because, you know, they want to be liked, they want to be loved, they want to be accepted, they want to be yeah. perceived and they want to be seen, you know, as this, I guess the opposite of a bold leader and essentially, and how to be able to step into that, be that powerful leader, be that bold leader, stand for the transformation and not make it mean something about them because of what they're, yeah. they're standing for. Well, you know, this is not an overnight process. <laughs> this is not, you go to a workshop, you go to a, week, a weekend workshop and you learn these principles and, oh, you got it. And now you're yeah. totally, you're totally that kind of a leader. This yeah. is journey. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't get here. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, this, I, I'm speaking to you from almost 50 years down the road of learning, falling down, getting back up again. So yeah. again, I come back to, first of all, speaking to those leaders that are dealing with all of these personal issues, do your work, mm. do your inner work. Yeah. There's not, there's no easy, quick, yeah. 
<laughs> There's no easy, quick answer to this. It's it's a long, steady, it's a journey. And boy, do I mean it's a journey. And so from here, having been on the road, so to speak, actually, even before I began leading, tra doing transformational leadership work, I was involved, I was a teacher. So, um, you know, I, I, I've been in in that kind of in that role. <laughs> actually, I, I tell a, a story. Um, I actually started being a what I see myself as a trainer or a teacher when I was seven years old. Wow. <laughs> and can I tell this story to the listeners? Yeah. Yes, please. So when I was seven, I, I do not know what motivated me to do this. It's just one of those things that just came out of me so organically. But I would clean out my parents' garage, clear out all the space and clean it all up. And we had a neighbor that lived behind us that had a hospital equipment uh, supply rental company. They rented hospital beds and folding chairs and things like that. And they, so they had these, now we're talking the 1940s, late forties. They had these old wooden folding chairs, you know, that I don't, you guys probably never even saw them, but I, I would go over there and they had a daughter, a young girl. I would invite her to come over and, oh, by the way, could I borrow a few chairs? So they would literally put chairs on a dolly and bring them over to my parents' garage. This was enrollment. And then I would set them up in rows yeah. and I would invite the kids of the neighborhood to come over mm. and they would, and I would stand in front of them. I'm seven and I would invite them to share and they would share about kid stuff. They would share about, you know, vacations and scouting mm. and dancing lessons and whatever kids were doing mm. from that from that early age, I had this curiosity about people. I had a curiosity about wanting to know what made people tick and what were they up to and all of that. And I didn't even remember that or connect that dot until I had a dream many, many, many years later. And I realized, oh, this is who I, this is who I've been all along. Yeah. You know, so I, I would say, Look back to your childhood, to those things that you did that were pure joy, that nobody told you or nobody asked you. They just flowed out of you like water, you know, that you loved. You know, what were you drawn to as a child? That's probably a pretty good clue about where your zone of genius lies. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. but Yeah, I mean, I think it's so interesting that that was a marker for you. And your brain can see that as evidence. We talk a lot about that finding evidence for your success. And that was a piece yeah. of evidence saying, hey, I have this innate ability, a gift that can be unwrapped and used. And I, I love this. Well, um, I also shared a story Um Yesterday, I think it was, I was, was speaking on a summit. And one of the stories I shared was in fourth grade, my teacher would leave the room to go use the restroom. And she would always ask me to be in charge. Did I share that with you, Alex? We also, yeah, we talked about it on your podcast okay, as well. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. 
She would always ask me to be in, I'm in fourth grade. So that's my granddaughter's in fourth grade. She's, she's 10. So I'm 10 years old. And my teacher is asking me to be in charge of the room while she left. What, what, I, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Like, yeah. is there something I'm supposed to do while she's out of the room <laughs> with the rest of the room? I didn't know. So I didn't do anything, but yeah. I look back to that and that teacher saw something in me that I didn't yet see in me. I didn't yet yeah. know about myself. There was some demonstration of some quality that she felt <laughs> she was going to put well, me in And you said something there, Dude, Like it was, I didn't know what to do, but it was it, what my mind went to was your being. And I yeah. think that that's what gets disconnected a lot yeah. of times with leaders. She is saw, that yeah. Is, is when we are showing up as leaders, we often are focusing on all the things that we're doing. And you've really driven home like, well, a few things. One is the is your being, the being curious. Yeah. Not having the ego drive your leadership and really looking mm -hmm. at the journey and the process. And I think there's an expression like wanting to be like, you know, quote unquote, the dumbest person in the room, right? But it's really it it's it's in, it's looking at it from that angle in a sort of sense, not a, not in a yeah. negative way, but in a positive way of like, be curious, mm -hmm. get, um, ask questions, knowing that it's in somebody else, be sorry, neutral that it's in, in, in yeah. them. And that, yeah. yeah, you, you do get to be neutral and that it is, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. You don't, I mean, oh, oh, it definitely is. And to understand that your job as a leader is not to have the answers. Yeah, it's not your job to have the answers. Yeah. So understand your role as a leader. That's it's not about controlling or yeah. having the answers, but it's about utilizing the human potential mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. people that you're working with. Developing your job is to develop, be a catalyst for mm -hmm. the development of their potential so that they know their answers they arrive at their solutions because chances are, well, first of all, we can never know another person's answers. Mm. Right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, but that. Th that is something that still puts the wind in my sails. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I'm still going. Um, I, I still at 81, I, I still feel like, you know, I'm inspired by Einstein. Yeah. He said, I know nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Said, I yeah. know nothing in terms of the realm of knowledge and all there is to know. Yeah. I know nothing. And even now what we're finding out in quantum physics is not all of Einstein's science is in line with that. We're going beyond that. I love that. I have a question out of, out of curiosity. What does it look like to live life in your shoes as a, 81 years old. So I'm in my 60th year of life. And so I'm not far behind what you have so much energy, you have the vibrancy. And it's clear that you use the tools to train your mind and your heart and your soul. What, um, what does it look like to be you on a <laughs> daily basis? Well, first of all, it looks like you often wake up at 3.30 in the morning. Mm. 3.30 to 5.30 is my wake-up time. Mm. Often, I mean, it's just not unusual. 
Now I'm usually asleep by nine ish. So <laughs> it's just the cycle that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love those dark early morning quiet hours. It feels like a magical time. Yeah. Now, uh, what I do in those dark magical hours, I, and I have kind of a routine, a, a, a morning. <laughs> Here's one that will surprise you. Okay. I love spelling bee. Do you know spelling bee? I, I love it. So, here's here's a way that I keep my the neurons in my brain firing and sharp. Is I play spelling bee every morning at four o'clock in the morning. I it's love game, that. It's a game on the New York Times. It has it's a word game, and I love words. I'm a wordsmith. I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. I love words, and so it's a game that has looks like a little daisy petal with a letter in the mm-hmm. center. And then a letter in six petals all the way around the outside. And you are to come up with as many words as you can. Uh, All of every word has to have the letter in the center. Uh, And then there's, there are one or more pangrams, which utilizes all of the letters. And so I love doing spelling bee in the wee hours of the morning. It's like, I'm a kid. (laughs) <laughs> going to the Christmas tree. I mean, yeah. I can feel the I can feel the dopamine. I can feel the neurons firing and the dopamine firing. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it really, I mean, it really sharpens my mind. It's just like bam, 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 bam. Oh, look at this word. You know, you look at it and at first I see nothing. I just see a bunch of random letters. Yeah. And then the patterns start to emerge. Mm-hmm. And then when I get a pangram, when the pangram jumps out at me, or I could be out taking my morning walk, which is another part of what it looks like to be me three to five miles, like most days out there on the walk and bam, a word comes to me. I'm telling (laughs) me I wasn't thinking about it. The pangram I say comes in from the field. The pangram comes in from the field and boom, there it is. I'll go back home and put Mm -hmm. it in. So I, I have a couple, I have three word games. I play Spelling bee, Wordle. You guys know about Wordle? I've heard of it. And Phrasal. Mm. And Phrasal. It's, oh, kind of, it, it's kind of a relative of Wordle. And they're all word games. And they they really, you know, it's that neurohacking that <laughs> keeping the brain, keeping the brain sharp. And I really yeah. do feel it. You know, so, so, yeah. so it, it, and then, uh, and then it looks like, so now I sink into, so now it's like maybe 7.30 or, you know, seven o'clock in the morning. Now I want to do my morning read. I get my Mark Nepo. I read mm-hmm. my morning read of, you know, meditation with Mark Nepo. Um, yeah. I saw read. that in your Facebook group. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to pull this one up. I'm really oh, curious. You want to talk about gold. Oh my goodness. This is a book of gold. It's wow. short daily reads with a brief meditation at the end. And so I, you know, I do my, my Mark Nepo read. And then I'm also reading a course of love, mm-hmm. uh, which is, do you know about the course of love? I don't, is it follow? Is it something in line with the course of miracles? Yes. It's okay. It calls itself the continuation of the course of miracles. Okay. It's about 700 and some pages. It's like a, I remember you showing that the book to us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Wow, we hope you really have enjoyed this series, part one, part two, and jump into part three next week. We can't wait to see you there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Unleashed Unstoppable podcast with your hosts, Alexander Carter and Cal Register. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review and subscribe. That's all for this episode, Wally Ambitious Leaders. See you next week.